0: Great God in heaven, as we come to this portion of our worship service where we turn our hearts, our minds, our attentions to your word and your word alone, to the proclamation, to the preaching of your holy word, Father, we pray that in spite of a foolish preacher, Lord, you would speak to us, that God, your words would go forth, and that Father, you would add your blessing to the reading and teaching and proclamation of Your Word and Your Word only. Lord, we ask that by the power of Your Word, You would convict us, that You would challenge us, that You would encourage us. Father, that You would also give us comfort and strength. God, we open the pages of this book to seek Your wisdom. Would You speak to us now, Father, as we, Your children, humbly listening we ask all this in the name of the father and son and holy spirit amen if you have your bible with you this morning i invite you to take it and turn with me to hebrews chapter 11 hebrews chapter 11 we are continuing in our sermon series through the book of hebrews and today on palm sunday it is very appropriate and very fitting that we come to hebrews chapter 11 and so I want you guys to know as you're finding your place in sacred scripture that uh, we have a wonderful sound and technical team here at church. We uh, had a soundboard that died on us a few weeks ago, you may have remembered, but they tirelessly, along with Jason, made patchworks with the soundboard in the student building. But this morning, we have our original soundboard back. So that is a great thing. And if this microphone gives us trouble this morning, I can just take this and turn it up and use this. I didn't, I didn't necessarily have that option last week because our, our board blew up. But now we have our board back, and, and we will just use this mic if this mic goes crazy. So that's just something for you to know. Also know that your pastor is goofy, and there's nothing I can do about that. I've worked on it for a very long time. That Annie Armstrong video was supposed to be in there, and I was supposed to load it but I did not do that appropriately. There's also another video I was going to use during the sermon that was going to be about 30 seconds long. And when we get to that point, you'll know, oh, the pastor had a video for this. I also failed to load that video correctly. So do not be upset with Brock or any of the people in the booth. They are wonderful people. And I don't know that they make errors. Maybe they do at home with their spouses, but they don't make errors in here. We have an enemy that works against us in here and a goofy pastor. So just in the air about a few things, now we can unashamedly and unabashedly turn our attention and focus completely to the word of the Lord. If you have found your place in Hebrews chapter 11, I will warn you, we are going to read the entire chapter. And so if you are physically able, would you please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word? As we look together now at Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. The Word of the Lord says, "...now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible." He condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations Who is invisible by faith. He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them by faith. The people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies." And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Again, as we noted last week, we picked up in... Chapter 10, verse 19, where the author of Hebrews takes a very radical turn from talking about theological, lofty, abstract things and begins to put things in perspective in a concrete, tangible and practical way. And so he takes just a moment's breath, a moment's pause in the first two verses, two or three verses here in the beginning of chapter 11 to speak of something in abstract and then demonstrate it for us for the remaining 38 verses. So in the very beginning of chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. How many folks in this place have hoped for something in their life? Have you ever hoped for something? This is the part where we're interactive. Raise your hand. God bless you people. Raise your hand. All right. We've, we've hoped for things. What kind of things do we hope for? I mean, honestly, we hope that Auburn would have gone all the way and won the national championship from the NCAA tournament. Okay? We hope for that. But there's no assurance Of that, We hope that Alabama will make it all the way to the national championship in football because Lord knows Alabama cannot play basketball. So that's all we can hope for is the football team to do well. But we have no assurance of this. Even when our birthday and Christmas roll around, we hope for wonderful gifts and things that we can have. But there's no assurance that we will get them, that we will receive them or that we will have the means to come about them. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. There is a distinct difference between hope and faith. Hope is I wish, I long for, I am yearning for this particular thing to come to pass. Faith is an assurance that what God has promised will come to pass. It's an assurance in what we've hoped for. Oh, I just hope I get that new Xbox for Christmas. And then faith would be an assurance because you snuck around and you looked for your presence like a very, very naughty person. And you found the Xbox in the closet and it had your name on it. So now you've got faith. There is assurance that you hoped for this gift and then you know it will come. This is the difference between faith and hope. Faith is also the conviction of things not Paul also writes about this in Romans when he said what is faith in things that are seen when you can see them. I have faith that there are pews in this sanctuary. I do. I have great faith that there are pews in this sanctuary. Well duh. Hello. You dummy, they are, they we're sitting in them. What are you talking about? Of course, there's views. You can see them. It does no good for us to have faith in the things that we can see. And so there is an element to our faith that requires us to believe in the unseen. Our faith is reasonable. Our faith is rational. Our faith is logical. When you look at the evidence, it points to Christ throughout all of human history. But there is also always going to be an aspect of our faith where without a belief within us, we cannot know with 100% certainty. We cannot be like Thomas, who put his hands in the nail-scarred hands, who put his hands in Jesus' side, who saw his feet, who felt his breath upon his face. Thomas had assurance Because he had seen it. And Jesus says, blessed are you for believing because you have seen. But more blessed are those who will believe and yet have not seen. That's us. Our faith is a belief that Jesus did rise from the dead. That Jesus was born of a virgin. That Jesus did live a perfect life and fulfill the law in every way conceivable. And yet, our faith is that he died on our behalf. And that He rose again. And that His death bought our eternal life and righteousness before the Father. And so all of these people that will be listed for the next 38 verses looked forward to that event. We believe in a linear history where there was a point of beginning and then it continued forward. There are other perspectives on life that are more... Uh, Just abstract understandings of the world that think that the world exists in cycles and circles and it's not a very linear start to finish. But we as Christians know that there was a point when there was nothing. Chapter 11 reinforces to us that there was a point when there was nothing and God created everything out of nothing. Nothing. That, that doctrine is called creation ex nihilo. That means out of nothing. There was nothing there, and then God said, let there be, and then there was something. That was the beginning. We, we work towards... Yes, Lord. We work towards a linear end. And the people who came before Jesus... Looked forward to expect that God would provide a sacrifice. They lived their lives in belief of the promise that there would be a day when God would provide the sacrifice. And so that's why when we get to the end of chapter 11, we see the verses that seem confusing. All of these, though commended through their faith, everyone that was just listed, whether they were listed by name or whether they were described generically, All of these who were listed were commended through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. You see, when Jesus died upon the cross, his blood covered front ways and back ways. His blood covered all those who had come before. His blood covered all those who were. His blood covered all of those who will be once and for all. We've already read about how Hebrews teaches us that there was one sacrifice that covered all sin for all time. But the people that came before the cross looked forward to that event and had to live their life in faith that that event would happen one day. And now you and I live in the same faith, only in reverse. We live in faith that Jesus did come. That Jesus did die. That what is written and recorded in the Holy Scriptures is true. We look back to the cross believing that it happened. They looked forward to the cross believing that it would happen. And so we have a similarity, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a siblinghood with those in the hall of faith. And they are commended and recorded eons here in scripture as being faithful to the lord and there's a common theme that runs through each and every one of these accounts we will not go through every single one of them but let us look together at the common theme that is drawn out for us in every account in this chapter we start off with abel what's so special about abel god said offer a sacrifice gave specific instructions. Abel believed God. You know how I know that Abel believed God? Because he did exactly what God said. His brother Cain just went out into the field, picked some grain, picked some fruit, brought it and said, here you go God, here's my offering. I mean, you know, it's kind of all I could find real quick, short of hand. I mean, I know you said you wanted other stuff, but you know, this is what I got. Here it is. Cain's offering was not acceptable. Not because God has a problem with fruit or grain, but because Cain didn't listen. Abel believed God and that is evidenced by the fact that he followed God's instructions. God said, I want you to sacrifice an animal, and I want you to give me the first and the best of the first that you have. The the best calf, I want the best meat, I want you to give it to me, and then you can have the rest. And Abel said, okay, God, did exactly what God said. Over and over again, we're going to see that that same theme is what is true of everyone in the Hall of Fame of Faith, known as Hebrews chapter 11. You move down and, and Abraham, he obeyed the Lord. You see Noah, he obeyed the Lord. Can you fathom, it took Noah over a hundred years. In our disciple group last Sunday night, somebody brought up just how powerful the story of Noah is to them because it took Noah a hundred and twenty years to build the ark. Do, do you and I grasp that? A hundred and twenty years of non-stop Mocking. There were people who were born and died while Noah was still building the boat. They're on their deathbed going, Son, son, did Noah ever finish the boat? No, Dad, he's still he's still building it. Has it rained yet? No, Dad, no rain. I mean that's that's their last breath is mocking Noah because he was a fool in their eyes. How dare you believe that you would build a boat? It hasn't rained. You're not near the water. It's taken you a hundred years to build this enormous boat. What is your problem? And the whole world and all of society rejected him. But he had faith in things that he knew and had assurance of. He hoped in salvation through this boat. God promised if you build the boat, I will preserve you and your family. And he said, okay, God, how do I build that boat? What you want me to do? What kind of wood you want me to use? How big do you want it to be? How are you going to help me do this? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I ain't never built a boat before. His faith, his trust, his belief was evidenced through his obedience. And not just obedience for one day. The Lord told me to come and sit by you today. And so I have. Ergo, I am faithful. No. Noah woke up every morning for over a hundred years and kept working on a boat because he believed God. He suffered for God because he believed. Now listen, in this chapter we are not going to see some of the negatives, but know that people just like Noah, Noah also struggled with alcoholism. There are places where it is recorded that he got drunk and bad stuff happened because of his drunkenness. There are faults and flaws with every person listed. It's not saying in Hebrews chapter 11 that you have to be perfect, but they are drawing attention that our faith, in Christ is what cleanses us, is what makes us righteous before the Lord. And you cannot just give lip service to faith. It does not work that way. Well, Pastor, are you saying we've got to work for our salvation? No, I'm saying if you believe and you have faith, you will work. It will happen. If you're a good tree, you're going to bear good fruit. It's just the way it works. If you believe that God said the whole world is going to flood... And you know that the only way to live is to build a boat. You're going to tell me you really believe God, but you're not building a boat. Obviously, you don't believe in God or you'd be building a boat. It's just how faith works. There is work that follows with faith to prove and give evidence to our faith. Abraham was supposed to go somewhere and he didn't even know where it was. But he said, "Okay, Lord, I'll go. Isaac and Jacob gave promises and blessings that they knew might happen, but they didn't know for sure. Joseph knows that there will be a day when God will draw his people out. And you know how I know that Joseph knew that? He didn't see it. God didn't give him some vision that said, Here you go, Joseph. Know that the people will leave Egypt one day. He believed it because he told them what to do with his bones when they left. I know you're going to leave one day. I know that God's going to draw these people out of here. How do I know? Because I have faith in it. Well, what do you mean you got faith in it, Joseph? i got so much faith, here's what you're going to do. When I die, you're going to take care of my bones in this way. So you want us to make a special trip out there, all the way over there to put your bones with your ancestors? No. When you leave, as you're going out, then go put my bones there. That's going to be how you know that I had faith that God would bring about that day. Four hundred years later, they get the box filled with Joseph's bones and carry him with them as they walk out of Egypt. And then it moves on. And then we move to Moses. And Moses is such a powerful and impactful character. But look there in verse 29. The Red Sea opens up, and it's, it's just like right here in the center aisle, okay? The Red Sea opens up, and there's a wall of water over here that congeals. I, sometimes we miss that, but in the Psalms it talks about how the water congealed. So there's a, a big chunk of jello over here, and a big chunk of jello over here, and there is a pathway straight through. And Moses says, All right, guys. Come on! And he starts walking. And you know how he knows that the water's going to stay where it's supposed to be? Because he walks on the dry land. And you know how I know that the rest of the Israelites believed that God was delivering them by keeping the water at bay? Because they walked through on dry land. And then in verse 29 and right there in verse 30, it says that the Egyptians tried to follow them. The Egyptians tried to go in after them. And what happened? The water caved in on top of them. It could have gave in on the Israelites. They had faith that it wouldn't. But they didn't know for sure. Except that they knew God told them what to do. So they believed God. And you know what? They walked. And guess what? God took care of them. Because they saw it in faith. No matter the suffering. No matter the hardship. They understood. But there's a, an important distinction here. You have to have faith in the right thing. You have to have faith in the one true, eternal God. There is only one God, and the only way to know Him is through Jesus Christ, His Son, who is the way and the truth and the life. Because the Egyptians believed Pharaoh, when Pharaoh said, Alright men, we're going to follow them through this tunnel right here. We're going to go. And, and they went through so we can go through. And all the men had faith in Pharaoh. Pharaoh's right. Pharaoh's a God himself. How could he ever be wrong? We will follow Pharaoh. We will get the victory. We will bring back the Israelites. Yeah! And they charge in. And then, water, and then the Lord goes, Oh, I'm sorry. The last Israelites through. Doors closed. And they all got washed away. Buried under the ocean. Not like a little bit of water and it was just blown out of the way. We're talking deep sea. The Red Sea splits. And they are drowned in the midst of it. So the video clip that I was going to play this morning was of a cute little girl and her sister. And the sister is poised right here. And the mother is explaining to both sisters what a trust fall is. And so the, the younger sister, she looks younger, she's smaller, okay? She is going to fall into the arms of the older sister. These are all over YouTube, okay? When you get home this afternoon, look one up, it'll give you a good laugh. Because the little sister, you're supposed to cross your arms, you're supposed to believe and then fall. Well, the little sister follows her instructions to the T, But the sister is behind her. She's here, arms crossed, I'm going to fall back into my sister, except the mama never said, "Fall back." Mama just said, "Fall." And so the sweet little girl, she says, "I believe." Oh." Face plants. Nothing stops her, okay? I'm good at falling down. She wasn't. Face plants. She placed her faith in the wrong place. It's just like the Egyptians. They run through the middle of the water and it collapses on top of them. The only thing that is worth placing our faith in is Jesus Christ. The only thing that is worth placing our faith in is the kingdom of God. But over and over again we have Things in our lives, in our society, in our culture that are tugging at us saying, have faith in me. They're acting like Pharaoh and we end up falling on our face. Folks, the American dream is extremely seductive. In the Annie Armstrong video we were going to show this morning, all of those Chinese people that are coming here to America are going through great suffering and hardship and trial because they have heard of the power and the potency of the American dream of living a life where you have wealth and health and happiness and you can be anything you want to be and you can do anything you want to do. And so they come to America to experience the American dream. It is seductive. And it lures us in. And it draws us unto itself. And maybe it doesn't always take the same form, but the message is always similar. I need to be more comfortable. My life needs to be more convenient. I have to save more of my time because my time is more valuable than anything in the world. I must make money so I can spend money on things that I need that will only make me want more things. My children are the gods of my world and I must give to them everything I never had. And they must be blessed beyond what anyone can understand. And I must go to every ball game that they've ever had because if I don't, it will be like when I grew up and I had a parent that didn't show up to my ball games. And it is part of making them happy. And I must make them happy because that's what we do in America. We buy things and we go to baseball games and we go to football games and we show up at the sporting events and we get on the travel ball teams and we go to everything that everybody has to do and we pour our whole hearts and lives into it so much so that there is an incredible scandal going on that there's no way you've missed Lori Loughlin, and Becky from Full House, anybody? Nobody? Nobody knows? it. Yeah, they, they bribed all sorts of people, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars in some places so that their children might have better opportunities and go to the highest schools and the best schools. Listen, we might not do that because we might not have that much money, but we feel the same way. The rules don't apply to us. I know right now that as as I preach this, you're thinking, many of you, man, it's a good thing that the preacher's saying that because somebody in this room really needs to hear it. Folks, I need to hear it. I love my children. They're gorgeous. If you don't believe me, I've got pictures. They're beautiful. They look just like their mother. They're incredible. They're mild-tempered. They're fun. I love spending time with them. But they are not the end-all-be-all of creation. Man, I I love getting enough money to pay for my house, and I love my house. I love the ability to live in my house and cut my grass. I love having a lawnmower that I can cut my grass with and do it quickly because it's kind of a zero-turn mower, and it's kind of new to me. And if you ever want to just really have fun, come watch me cut my grass because I'm all over the place. I don't know how to drive this thing, okay? But immediately, my old lawnmower died, and I ended up getting this one, and now I've got monthly payments, and immediately I felt the tug of the American dream pulling at me. All my neighbors got these zero turns. Nathan, you need the zero turn because you've got to save time. Your time's important. This zero turn's going to make you happy. It's going to make cutting your grass easier. It's going to make your life better. So don't spend money on Annie Armstrong. Spend more money on this lawnmower. Don't spend money to plant more churches. Spend money on this here lawnmower. And you know why I sold my old lawnmower? Because the deck was warped and cracked. Wasn't a dadgum thing wrong with the engine. But every time I cut my grass, just a little bit cattywampus. What does it matter if my grass or your grass is a little bit cattywampus? The American dream is seductive. Listen to the end of this passage. These people suffer for the Lord because they believe by faith that God is the end-all-be-all of all creation. He is worth all of our time, all of our energy, all of our money, all of our effort. Glorifying Him should be our only goal in life. And if our children are raised and reared by honoring God, that's a wonderful thing, but they must take their place secondarily to the Lord. If we love our wives and our spouses and our husbands, that's great, but they must take their place secondarily to the Lord. My job is not my God. My house is not my God. Jesus Christ is my God. And the people who believe that by faith live in such a way that this happens to them. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered Kingdoms enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured because they refused to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered. They suffered mocking. They suffered flogging. They suffered chains. They suffered imprisonment. They were stoned. Some of them were literally sawn in half. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were mistreated. These are the ones of whom the world was not worthy. They were wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. They lived their life by faith and if it meant suffering for the Lord, if it meant being on the front edge of the spear, if it meant giving up all that we have and all that we are for Christ and His Kingdom, then by faith I have assurance there's a better life coming. This is not home. This is a holding place for home that is coming. And when we give in to the American dream, when we give in to believing that this is all there is, our focus becomes on things here and things now but the people that made it into the hall of fame of faith made it there because they had assurance of things hoped for they hoped that there'd be a home a country a land where God was preparing a place for them and they lived their life knowing that's where I'm going I'm going to tell you about Jesus I don't care if it's awkward I don't care if you write me off and never speak to me again. I'm going to tell you about the salvation that can be found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Because if I don't, I'm going to go home and you're going to go to hell. And I don't care how you react. I don't care how you treat me. I don't care if I get a new lawnmower or a new car or a better house. I don't care if all my kids sleep in one room or sleep in 17 rooms. I don't care what happens to me in this life because what matters is having assurance that there is a judgment to come. And if I live by faith, I will tell everyone. I will go to everyone. I will give all of myself and all that I have to proclaim the Gospel so that one day I might stand before the Father and He might count me among those that made it into this book because of their faith. It's not saying I'm going to be perfect. It's not saying I'm going to do everything right. But Christ is what matters most. And the world we live in tricks us daily to believing that's false. And so I wonder this morning, do you have faith in Christ? Is it evidenced by the way that you live? Is it evidenced in the same way that these people in Hebrews chapter eleven evidenced their faith? Not just to the world they lived in, but to our world today. Folks, just to be transparent, I gotta be honest with you. I look at these heroes of faith and I don't measure up. And I thank God that there is mercy and grace to be found at His cross. But I cannot use that as a crutch or an excuse to live a lavish life of convenience and comfort. These are our examples. Let us strive to live like them. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, Thank You, God, that You are merciful and long-suffering. Father, thank You that You gave us a record of what it means to be faithful. That You showed us what true faith looks like throughout all of Your Word. God, may we be a church and a people who are dedicated to live by faith. Whatever that cost may be. Father, we love you. We're helpless and we're hopeless without you. Inspire us, Lord. Change us. Change me, God. That we might be a church and an assembly on the front edge of your kingdom. Fighting back the darkness. Reaching around the world by the power of your Spirit. Encouraging one another by faith in you and your sufficiency. By faith that there is a home that is awaiting us in your presence one day. Oh, God, please move amongst us. Bless us. May we pour out our lives for you. May you convict us as we enter into a time of response. We ask all this in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.